0: The essence of leadership, the power of genuine connections and influence featuring Josh Parnell. Join us on a transformative journey as we embark on an enlightening exploration into the intricate world of leadership styles, servant, situational, and positional, to name a few. In this awe-inspiring guest for knowledge, we unravel quest for knowledge, we unravel the profound insights gained by our protagonist, aka the bearded leader, revealing the true essence of leadership. Through his firsthand experiences, he uncovers the pivotal role played by genuine relationships and acknowledges that influence forms the very foundation of effective leadership. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. Here's our guest today. Let me introduce you. Josh Parnell is a leadership coach, trainer, and speaker who helps people unlock their untapped potential for limitless success. With a background in the United States Air Force, Josh understands the importance of different leadership styles, such as servant, situational, and positional leadership. Building genuine relationships and influencing others is at the core of his approach. Over the past 20 years, Josh has dedicated himself to developing leaders personally and professionally. Please help me welcome Josh.
2: April, thank you. What an introduction. That was amazing.
0: (laughs) Uh, My pleasure. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show. It's an honor to have you, sir. Please, Josh, share with the audience a little bit about you. What's your background? How did you get to this point?
2: Well April 1st I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be here um it truly is an honor and a pleasure so thank you for that um, you know my background I'll say begins after high school you know, I had hopes and dreams and aspirations to go to Hollywood to become the next Steven Spielberg clearly that did not happen but I uh, I found yes. out that the University of North Te- oh yet keyword it's always yet right but uh, I found out that I found out that the University of North Texas in Denton near Dallas had a great radio TV and film program and so I went to UNT. I plan on being there for four years. Instead, after a year and a half, UNT said, hey, Josh, thanks for playing, but your grades are terrible. You need to leave. So this is around the time that 9-11 happened. It got me thinking about joining the military, and I found Mm -hmm. out that um, videography was a career field I could do in the Air Force. So I went to my nearest Air Force recruiter's office, and I uh, introduced myself. I said, hi, my name is Josh Parnell. I'm interested in filmmaking. And uh, he said, hey, great, we have videography as a career field available for you, but the catch is it's not available right now. But when you get into basic training, it will be. All you got to do is sign the dotted line. And I said, "Hey, let's do it. Sign me up. I'm ready to do this thing." You know, I was naive. You know, I I I got into basic training uh, thinking I was going to be in uh, filmmaking, and sure enough, when I got there, they said, "Hey, you know, filmmaking is not available." Uh, mm. So I went in without a guaranteed job, and I knew at that point I wasn't going to be in videography. Um, now. An important part of the story is that uh, when I uh, when everyone goes into basic training, uh, they fire the M16. That's part of the basic training um, you know, requirements. And so uh, I think now they fire the M4. But at the time it was the M16. And in order to become an expert marksman on the M16, I had to hit the target at least 45 times or more out of 50 rounds. Now, prior to joining the Air Force, I had never shot a weapon in my life. So I was not a very good shot. In fact, easy need
0: train though.
2: I'm sorry, easy to train, easy to train. But here's the thing, when you got about 45 minutes of basic training uh, or a bit of training of the M16 in basic training, for me, that wasn't enough. In fact, it was, I was such a bad shot that the range instructor threw an extra 30 round magazine in my rifle. Now that means I did score a 45, but it was out of 80 rounds. So I like to tell people that I, I think I'm still technically the worst expert marksman in the history of the Air Force. Uh, <laughs> because even on the score sheet, it showed a 45 out of 50. And so when it came time for me to figure out what career field am I going to be in, I was told, well, hey, you're an expert marksman. You're going to be a cop, which is security forces in the Air Force.
0: Well, I, t- I tell you what, you know, you and I can relate on that a little bit because I have the background in law enforcement. Yes, you do. Gosh, I didn't pass the first time through weapons training. Yeah. Just FYI. Uh, But I'm a pretty good
2: shot now. So that's the thing, April, and and that's encouraging. I'll tell you this. When I went into uh, uh, tech school for security forces, I again, I had no bad habits. So I did exactly what the instructors told me to do. And lo and behold, I did become an expert marksman in a number of different weapons. But, um, But getting there was... You know, a bit, a bit comical. Definitely not something I was anticipating. Um, but um, I, I'll, I'll tell you this: a, a funny part also happened, and that is when it came time for me to figure out that I was going to be in security forces. Um, I, I said, "You know what? This isn't the way I planned. This isn't what I what I drew up." But uh, here's what I do know: I also joined to to do, to do travel. I, I wanted to go, uh, you know, overseas. I really want to go to Italy, Germany, Belgium, Spain. I want to go to Europe. And um, and so I I said, you know what? Every base needs a cop so I can still go to all these places. Uh, The Air Force, though, April, they had other plans. Instead, uh, the Air Force sent me to beautiful Minot, North Dakota. (laughs) So keep in mind at this point, I'm thinking, all right, I joined to be a filmmaker in Italy and now I'm a cop in North Dakota. And this is not the way uh, I had planned for this to go. But I think if we want to make God laugh, we tell him what our plans are. And very quickly, he got a good chuckle out of what I wanted to do and course correct yeah. me. But that's that's how I got into the Air Force. And um, I'm going to fast forward a bit because I know I'm rambling with my well,
0: well, can I ask real quick, what did you learn? So when we come to places like you you talk about this, you know, God laughing and putting us in something, yeah. a different situation. Now, it's, it's like, okay, this now what? But- what what was a lesson that you got out of being in the place that you really didn't want to be?
2: Real Great quick. question. Great question. I learned that there are two things that we can control every day. It's our attitude and our effort. Mm. We can always choose positivity, even in what we believe to be negative situations. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. In fact, oftentimes it's not because imagine those really tough days that you've had in your life. There might be some even tragic days. Maybe we, we've lost a loved one. Yeah. Something really really tragic has occurred. Despite what it might seem in the moment, we can still choose positivity. And secondly, as I mentioned, uh, effort, we can always provide maximum effort every single day. Now, what I mean by this is I'm not saying give 100 every day, because we also know there are certain days like those very tragic, tough days, like the days maybe we're sick, maybe we're not feeling well. If if we can give 100 and we give 80, we're missing the mark. If we can only give 80 some days, let's give 80. Let's provide maximum effort in the way that we can.
0: Mm. So that,
2: that's the major lesson I learned was, you know what? I can I can uh, stress about this. I can be upset about this. Or I can choose to view things differently. I think perspective is, is key because the way that we view things drives the way that we do things. Yeah. And I started viewing things differently and subsequently started doing things differently.
0: I like to say always give your best. And, and I think that's that's that similar contacts there.
2: hundred percent. Love that. So fast forward four years, I did a four year enlistment in Minot the entire time. I did have a brief deployment to Manta, Ecuador, which was great, but I did a four year enlistment and, uh, got out of the air force and went back to school. I finished my degree. I went into the oil and gas industry for about five years. Um, that was, that was a job to me, April. I, I, um, I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It was something that, you know, it, it wasn't a career. Um, and that was your
0: it, influence from North Dakota, wasn't
2: it? But, but So believe it or not, that was my, my dad was in the oil and gas industry. And so, uh, so when I got out, he told me, he said, Hey, uh, if, if you want to get into the oil and gas industry, which at the time I thought that I did, uh, he said, just go get the quickest degree you can, and I'm going to help you get mm. into, kind of, uh, get your foot in the door. And so uh, he was able to help me get my foot in the door and, um, but a, a quote that I love from Steve Harvey, um, he says, uh, your career is what you're paid for, your calling is what you're made for.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: not only was I not viewing that as a career, because it certainly wasn't my calling, I w- that was just a job to me. And so I thought, there's got to be something more than this. And, and I really need to, knowing myself the way that I, you know, the, who I am, I needed to be challenged in, in, in a different way. And I was working... Yeah by myself quite often. And I'm a team kind of person. It's I'm a, I'm a we before me men- mentality kind of guy. And, and I wanted to surround myself with people who could help me grow and develop because multiple minds are better than one. And so, yeah. um, about five years after I got into the oil and gas industry, a friend of mine, uh, called me, uh, he, 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 uh, works at a Christian brothers automotive, which is an automotive repair franchise, uh, that's, uh, in 30 States nationwide, 200, 280 locations now. And, um, at the time there's about 140 locations and eight years ago is, is, is the time I'm referring to. And, uh, he said, Hey, there's a, a trainer position opening up. Um, and I think you might, you know, you might be a good fit for it. Would you be interested? And so, um, I, I went into the interview, my first interview and fast forward two more interviews later and, um, and was fortunate enough and blessed enough to, uh, to be offered an opportunity to, to go work for an incredible company. And, um, so when I, when I got to this company, uh, we had one training program that was already in the works that I had, um, the, uh, the pleasure of, uh, taking over, um, eventually. And by the time I left, uh, just a short five months ago, uh, we had six training programs and I was leading a leadership podcast there. And so, uh, we've been able to grow the team to about seven team members who are incredible at what they do, but I owe, I, I owe a lot of my forward progression and career development to that company and all the people within it. And so um, now, as I shared, I, I'm blessed now. Five months uh, five months ago, I decided to take a, a step of faith and um, and enter the world of entrepreneurship. And so now I'm a full-time leadership coach, trainer, and speaker and loving every day.
0: I, oh my goodness. And isn't that so cool? I'm going to make sure that is on the screen here because you are fresh into the entrepreneurial world and I want to make sure the world Knows it. And okay. so, Josh, that's an awesome story because what I love about it is your initial dream, you're kind of starting to come into it just a little bit, where you were given the opportunity to be in front of a mic, to be on a stage, to start stepping into that power and sharing yourself and leading others.
2: Sure. It's, it's, it's been an, an awesome opportunity. You know, when, when I was there, the 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 primary role that I had uh, started as a trainer and then and then a, a coach um, all the while I've been able to hone and develop my speaking skills which I'll tell you I'm still a work in progress I mean oh, uh, and, and and that's yeah. the thing uh, you know I I love I love coaching I love training I love speaking the anticipation and the anxiety leading up to each of them uh, it, it it's always something that that I'm like man like this is Like, why am I always feeling like this? And there's a a strong influence of mine, Craig Rochelle. I've heard him say how, um, you know, he this is a guy who's he's a pastor of a a huge church with multiple campuses. And he's like, hey, I still get nervous. I still get nervous every single time. And the reason is because we care. You know, at the end of the day, I want to be able to deliver my best. I want to be able to deliver excellence. And what I heard Craig say before was he's, hey, look, it's gotten easier because when I used to do this, I would throw up in a bucket and then I'd get on on stage and do my thing. Now I just throw throw up in my mouth a little bit and then we're good to go. And I'm like, I'm I'm not even there yet. So, so maybe, maybe one day uh, I I can, uh, I can get there, but, um, but I will tell you, April, the, the opportunity that Christian brothers gave me the opportunity to be surrounded with incredible people. um, It's really because of those people who have helped me grow and develop and continue to help me grow and develop. I think it's important that we're, regularly sharpening our ax and regularly striving to be the best version of ourself um, each and every day
0: so i want to move back into something that you mentioned previously and you talked about you were in a position that you were working alone so much and you wanted to be able to expand and grow and be around the people who really are a stronger influence for you a teammanship sort of effort and so I wanted to highlight that, Josh, because I feel like sometimes there's a lot of people that feel like that, too, in the positions that they're in. And it's a difficult decision to make when we want to expand ourselves and we want to grow. But yet we're in this one spot, this one area where we're not getting that. And but yet there's that comfort level, that comfort zone where it's it's scary to move, you know, branch out and do something different. Right. And so I I think it's amazing that you did do that, because I feel like when we start making those forward movements, opportunities arise, doors open, and you start to be in the room with people who are inspirational and that you really get to learn from.
2: I believe that the reason opportunities start to present themselves is because you created it inadvertently. You may have not realized it, but you created it by simply doing it scared. Mm. You're not sure yet. You feel like maybe you need to make a move. You know you want to make a move, but you can't make a move because you're currently uh, having this uh, paralysis by analysis, if you will. And, you know, there's a lot of us that, that experience on a, on a regular basis, stress, worry, doubt, concern, fear. But we know that fear is simply false evidence appearing real. And we're always going to find evidence in the things that we believe. And yeah. so if we, if we believe something, if we believe I can't make this move, we're going to find evidence that supports it and backs it up. And mm. so, but at the end of the day, if you know that you need to make the move, do it scared. Because here's what I've learned. When you when you just take action, motivation and confidence tends to follow. So motivation and confidence tends to follow. So just simply do it scared. The, 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 the first step though is taking action. And I'll say this, we often make decisions based on emotion, but we take action based on conviction. So at what point are you going to truly be convicted in a way where it's like, you know what, I may not want to, but I know that I need to. And th- this is an opportunity for me to uh, to take that leap.
0: I like that. It, you know, when we have that strong enough, I mean, a lot of people call it the why, the why has to be strong enough, big enough, the conviction. And so when we truly make the choice to finally do the act of whatever it is, I mean, that that is just a choice in improving ourselves in any mm-hmm sort of capacity, whether it's a weight loss journey, whether it's, uh, moving career fields, moving to another state, or maybe even outside of the country, but it's definitely making that choice. And I love how you talked about just, you know, making the small steps and continuing that. I think that there's so much to be said about, uh, the consistency of doing
2: we, we know, speaking of consistency, we know that practice makes progress. A lot of us are going to say perfect, but the reality is practice makes progress and progress mm-hmm. is the name of the game, but we can't make the progress if we're not consistent in the practice. And so speaking of taking steps, you're saying the right word too, because you're not saying, I, You know, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with taking a leap of faith. I think taking a step of faith is more appropriate because the reality is too many of us believe that the, the the destination that we have in mind, that's the vision that we casted. We wanna go there, but but we feel like we need to do all these things in order to get there, which is, which is accurate. But the, the thing that we really need to do is just the next thing. Just take the next step and then take the next step and subsequently keep on doing that. I'll tell you that in terms of making a choice, I believe the greatest choice Decision investment that I ever made was in myself when I hired a counselor about four years ago. And here's the belief that I have um, that, and of course, I'm biased. I am a leadership coach, I'm a life coach. This is what I do for a living. But if you're struggling to truly take that step, or you're not sure about how to manage the emotions you're currently feeling as it relates to potentially taking that step, and you're not quite ready to take action because you don't know how to take action, hire a coach. Hire a coach, hire someone who can give you perspective, which ultimately will give you clarity and direction. So when I hired a counselor for about four years ago, I then hired a coach uh, shortly thereafter. And ironically, I married a licensed professional counselor. So I I get free counseling even when I don't want it. And sometimes-
0: You you have to be on your best all the time, don't you?
2: I have to be, I have to be on my best. I mean, what I've learned April is as long as I can agree with everything she says, then I'm on my best.
0: (laughs) No, I think that's incredible. And I, Josh, I really appreciate what you said about perfection because maybe it's a better idea to not even believe in that. Definitely not to strive for that. It's really more of an unobtainable goal or maybe it is. And it's going to take many shots, many steps to get to that point. And, um, some people may get there, but it's, it's, it's less likely, right? So I, I agree with you on being able to j- just take the first steps. We did that with the show. If I would have said, you know, I'm fearful of going live because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to mess up or my logo isn't right or yeah. this and that or, 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 and all of the things, then I never would have started and we wouldn't be here now.
2: And that's the problem. There's so many of us who, who say, well, I'm not ready yet. That's that word again, right? I'm yeah. not ready yet. Um, I need to do this first. And if we just, just do it, I mean, just get out there and do it scared. And you, you mentioned, I mean, perfection at the end of the day, it truly is unattainable to me. Perfection is reserved for God. The the only quote that I've heard so far that I, that I really love came from Kobe Bryant when he talked about perfection and how he knew he was always striving for perfection, knowing he was never going to hit it. And Mm. it's kind of this relentless pursuit that you know that you're never going to achieve it, but you can't stop pursuing it. And as a recovering perfectionist, I've had to learn how to stop seeking perfection and simply just do it scared. I mean, and I'll tell you, when we get comfortable being uncomfortable, we can do something scared every day. I mean, every day there's something where it's like, you know, we may not want to, we feel like we need to, but we're just going to do it scared. And the idea of living outside of our comfort zone, that's how we're growing to begin with because growth and comfort can't coexist. So Mm. we've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable and know that perfection is never going to be attainable, but it's always within our reach.
0: I love that. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's it. That's wonderful. Well, we're going to move into our first commercial, Josh. And when we get back, I'm excited to ask you a few more questions about your journey. Stay tuned.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby.
0: We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be, but we also know how essential it is to
1: advocate for your child and their education.
2: That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children.
0: On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education,
2: general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms
0: that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also
2: talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while. We invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together.
1: Are you a practitioner or a coach listening to this? If so, I would love to ask you, do you use hypnotherapy in your practice working with clients? And if not, would you like to? The power of hypnotherapy is limitless. And so often we experience our clients struggling to reach their goals it's because they're coming up against their own brick walls and getting stuck but you can help them through the power of hypnosis break through all of that working with their unconscious mind to put the suggestions in to have them taking the action to achieve the results that they want they are thrilled with your coaching techniques they're getting the results they want you feel amazing because you are helping your client get the results they want it's a win-win and another win is that it's an added revenue stream for you in your business so if you like the feel of helping your clients get the results they want if you like the sound of that then definitely reach out melissa at yourguidedhealthjourney.com or click the link tree link below for my unlimited power of hypnosis class to learn more it's a weekend designation program that I teach, valid in 42 countries. You write an exam after taking the experiential course and you can be admitted to the American Board of Hypnotherapy and start using hypnotherapy one-to-one with your clients and have them achieving the results they want.
0: And stay tuned for an inclusive interview tomorrow on the Wellness Driven Life Show about hypnosis specifically find out more in the description below. Back to you, Josh. Your journey has been very fun. I love how it has gone in so many different directions as has so many of us. You know, where we think we're going to go one way and then we end up in a totally different direction and we're like, "What is going on?" I had that experience when I surprise, had children early on when I was told that I couldn't. And so mm-hmm. that drastically changed the course of my life, but that's what happens. And it is interesting because I like to think that God is laughing on that too, because there's so many lessons that can be learned along the way.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, sorry. <laughs> sorry, April. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, there's a lot of lessons I've learned along the way, um, you know, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned, and and I'm just going to segue right into this, is how important it is that we that we take the labels that are on us, whether they were given to us, whether we put them on ourselves. The labels that 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 are tied to us typically are tied to some limitations. And what I mean by this is, um, you know, there was a time in my life where I'll, I'll share the story that when I was in high school, I uh, I planned on going to college after. Uh, high school, and so my parents supported my decision to go to college, and they said, hey, that's great. If you want to go to college, we support you. Uh, just know that you need to take school seriously, because obviously, if you're going to go to a higher level of schooling after high school, you need to make school a priority. You need to take your grades seriously, make the, make your grades a priority, so I heard what my parents said, and 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 when I walked across the stage at my high school graduation, I graduated 28th in my high school class, and so My perspective, uh, uh, my position determines my perspective. Now, Mm -hmm. to give you more context, the full context of the story, I did graduate 28th in my high school class out of 30 people. So my position determines my perspective. Keep in mind, I'm 28th out of 30. That's not a great position. And that determined my perspective. My perspective in that moment was, I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable. I'm not confident. I had no confidence in myself. Um, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't think that I could go to school and succeed. And we already know the, the rest of the story. UNT very quickly said, hey, Josh, you, you know, it's not going to work out. Uh, so I had to, had to go through things and grow through things quite a bit early on. But I also want to share that. Yeah, I, I heard my parents. I didn't listen to my parents. What I needed to do, though, is recognize back then that the label I was putting on myself was not smart, not able, not enough, not deserving, Mm. not worthy, and And all that did was restrict my ability to break free from all of these labels which had subsequent limitations on them because I told myself I was not uh, intelligent. I was not able to. I couldn't do all these things that I saw other people doing because the label I put on myself came with a limitation and it wasn't until my, my time in the Air Force when I uh, met some incredible peers and mentors who really helped me break free from those limitations. And I turned I was able to turn those limitations into subsequent lessons that I could then uh, break free from and really see things from a different perspective. There's a quote from a, a poet who I love, his name is NQ. And uh, this, this line has always stuck with me and he says, um, defining myself is like confining myself. So I undefined myself to find myself. So to break that down, defining myself, myself, aka putting labels on myself, is like confining myself. There's a limitation. So I undefined myself to find myself. And I'm going to say it again, the way we view things drives the way that we do things. My perspective, Mm -hmm. all it needed was just a few degrees of a change. And a lot of the clients that I coach, a lot of the people that I train, what we've all collectively learned over the years is nobody really needs to make this massive 180 degree change overnight. A lot of us are right there. So if we can just make this two, three, four degree change, we can start viewing things differently and doing things differently and really set our trajectory of life Mm on a new, uh, new, new range of motion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I like to call it, or more recently felt the need to to, to call it, like an identity crisis. Mm. And so the way that we, we view ourselves, our belief systems based on all of the strange things that happened to us when we were at a very young age, and we just carry that along with yes. us yes. is is how we define ourselves and our belief systems. And I, so I really love that you say to, to what did you say to undefine ourselves, to yeah, recreate definitely. ourselves. Right. And that is so brilliant and so key. And Josh, it took me a very long time and a lot of tragedy in life to really come to that understanding that and- no matter what we are able, capable, have the power to recreate ourselves that's all it. of the time because change is constant. And if that's the case, we're always changing so we can always recreate ourselves. Who do we want to be?
2: That's right. We are the authors of our story, right? We're the authors of our legacy. So the the, the legacy that we're leading today will determine the legacy that we're leaving tomorrow. What are we doing today to make an impact on tomorrow? I can tell you that um, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. It took me a long time to really break free from, from, these, uh, from these beliefs, but I'll, I'll go back and say it. We're always going to find evidence in the things that we believe. Mm. So when we can start learning how to really take control of our thoughts, that's really where a lot of power comes into play. Because what we, what we know is that research tells us that humans have up to 60,000 thoughts per day and mm. 80% of our thoughts are negative. And studies show that 90% of our thoughts are repetitive. So again, it's no wonder why we experience all these feelings of stress and worry and doubt, concern and fear. And we know that thoughts dictate feelings and feelings dictate actions and actions dictate our legacy. So if we want to change our legacy, it begins with our thoughts. Think about a time in your life where you just believe something, you know, and, and, and I shared my example about... Uh, f- feeling a lack of intelligence uh, in, in my high school days, you talked about an identity crisis. And the problem is a lot of us, uh, we the, these actions become our identity. What I mean by mm-hmm. this is I failed at something, therefore I'm a failure. I lost, therefore I'm a loser. And the reality is we know that's not the case um, because we also win at things, you know, th- th- great things happen to us, but none of those actions really make us who we are. And so, Think about a time in your life where you you really think something this is your belief it's it stems from a belief and one of the greatest mistakes that any of us can make is assuming that all of our thoughts are true but Mm -hmm. we think something the we subsequently feel a a type of emotion based on the thought and then that dictates the action dictates the action that we take or don't take which ultimately will dictate our legacy and so I'll say it again I think I shared this earlier that we often make decisions based on emotion but we take action based on conviction and this is really where we need to exercise some emotional intelligence and some emotional regulation emotional maturity is having feelings but not letting our feelings have us mm. and a lot of us struggle with with ha- letting our feelings have us
0: I got to say Josh I am so impressed with the way that you show up, with the way that you speak, with your emotional intelligence that you portray. And it doesn't seem like you have stepped into leadership and coaching for a, a very long stretch of time. I'm not sure. I actually don't know the timeline on that, but I just wanted to share with you, I am impressed. You show up so beautifully, you know, especially when you have really stepped into the entrepreneurial world so recently.
2: Thank you, I, April. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll I'll share this. I will always think like a rookie. I'm committed to being a lifelong learner. While I've been in this practice for close to a decade now, um, it doesn't mean that you know, I still again I have a long way to go and a long way to grow. But I'll say this: the the uh, where I'm currently at, I owe it to all the people who I've surrounded myself with over the years, my wow. counselor, my coach my wife, and and again, and I want to say this um, with humility too, um, I am constantly a work in progress because I got a lot of things going on just like everybody else. And, um, you know, it, it, oftentimes I, I feel like I'm qualified to to coach and train because I'm truly trying to practice what I preach on a daily basis. And so um, it's, it's all about sharpening my axe, like I shared.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think every life learner and grower has definitely come to that realization. And for those who are stepping into self-development and they're new and fresh into that, it is key to understand that it is continuous work. It is a lifelong process. That's why it's called a lifelong learner, yes. because we will always continue to grow and we will always continue to, there's that word again, change, because that's the constant life is change. And so, you know, I, I want to tap into, again, going back to um, maybe giving an example, Josh, you had talked a little bit about when you, when you, mo, oh, I lost my train of thought. I wanted to go into the identity aspect and maybe giving an example of that. You know, what was it like when you had that and you talked about evidence? There we go. Now I'm getting back to my train of thought. yeah When we say that there is ever evidence that is presented to us, can you give an example of that? Like in, an example of the evidence that you start to see?
2: Sure. So I'll give an example uh, on the positive side of things, because the, the, the initial example um, that I was giving was I found evidence in the fact that I was not smart. 28th out of 30 backs up that evidence hmm. the perspective I could have said was, look, the reason you're even here is because you didn't study to begin with. So you could have and should have done things differently because you you would have seen things differently and done things differently to to graduate at a higher Number, you know, than twenty-eight out of thirty, but let's 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 uh, flip it on the other side because something I keep referring to is how we sharpen our axe, and I want to share this story with the audience too, and and in fact I'll I'll share the story first, and then I'll get into how we can find evidence in the changes that were that we're affecting. So once upon a time, there was a very strong woodcutter who applied to work at a timber merchant, and he got the job. Pay was fantastic, work conditions were excellent, and for these reasons he was motivated to do his very best. So his first day on the job, he goes to his boss. His boss gives him an ax and he says, I want you to go chop down as many trees as you can. So the woodcutter goes out his first day. He works tirelessly chopping down trees all day long. He's able to chop down 18 trees on his first day. So he brings 18 trees back to his boss. His boss says, wow, that's fantastic. Motivated by his boss's words, the woodcutter is determined to go out the second day and chop down even more trees. So that was his intent. He goes out the second day. He works tirelessly chopping down trees all day long, but he's only able to chop down 15 trees on his second day on the job. No big deal. The woodcutter thought I'm going to go out the third day and just crush it. I'm going to chop down more trees on the third day than the first two days combined. So that was his intent. He goes out the third day. He works tirelessly chopping down trees all day long, but he's only able to chop down 10 trees on his third day on the job man, I must be losing my strength.
1: Hmm.
2: Infused, he went to his boss. He apologized to boss. I don't know what's going on. I think I'm losing my strength. I'm sorry. His boss looks at him and asks the question, when was the last time that you sharpened your ax? Sharpened my ax, the woodcutter said. I haven't had time to sharpen my ax because I've been too busy chopping down trees. And the moral of the story is we get like this in our own life sometimes where we're doing the same thing over and over and over again, day in and day out. And we're not taking time to step back and sharpen our axe. Mm -hmm. A lot of us are going to say, hey, I don't have the time. And the reality is we all have the same amount of hours in the same day. How many of us are making the time? So to go back to answer your question about finding evidence, when we begin to really work on leveling up in multiple areas of our life, we begin to see the 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 fruits of our labor we start planting the seed we water the grass daily and we reap the harvest and so there are uh it's it, it is when you really be intentional with living a certain kind of way good bad or indifferent you can always find evidence that backs up the thought that you have you know what i think i'm doing really well right now i think i'm improving this area and i can write down all the evidence that backs it up subsequently hey, I'm really struggling right now. I don't know if I'm ever going to make it. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to succeed. I can always find evidence in the things that I believe.
0: Yeah. You know, I think it's such an incredible practice to do that, Josh. Um, And there's also evidence that writing those things down at night is a wonderful time because as we lay our head on the pillow, it gives our brains and bodies time to process those things that we have contemplated right before bed. Now, what I mean by that is to start writing down the evidence, almost like a journal aspect. You know, they say so much to write down what you're grateful for. And in addition, write the evidence of those things that you're grateful for. Like, how did they come about? What are the things that you're seeing? And they can be very small things. They can be a phone call. They can be something that you saw, something even in a shape or a form, something that reminds you that you're on the right track. And those things will trigger the brain to feel like it's had this accomplishment, that you're in the right direction and going the right way. So tell me a little bit, Josh, how do you sharpen the ax? What are some of the things that you do on a daily basis to do so?
2: I'll share two different aspects. Number one, because I want to piggyback on what you just shared about journaling. The things that we write are the things that we invite. Studies mm. show that when we write our goals down, when we write things down, the chances of that actually occurring increases forty-seven percent.
0: Forty-seven
2: percent. Forty-seven percent. I love so, that. So if that's not enough for you to start journaling and writing things down, I don't know what is. Right. But the 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 impact of journaling and also why we do it and how we do it. A lot of that. That's really where a lot of us make mistakes because we say, "Oh yeah, okay, I'll journal. I'll, I'll try it." But a lot of us don't know how to do it, um, and a lot of us get get stuck because it doesn't seem to be working. And the reality is, it may not be working because we don't know how to do it effectively. And this mm-hmm. is one of the uh, applications that I coach and train and teach. Um, but when we imagine, think about it like this: if I were to tell you, April, um, hey, I need you to do a math equation for me, but you can't use your calculator, you can't use your phone, you can't use a calculator. Um, Not should, a
0: good question for me, Josh.
2: Yeah, hang on, but, but you but uh, Hey, perspective, April perspective. You can, do this. <laughs> I'm going to help you because here's the thing. If I say, April, I'm going to ask you to multiply. 197 times 432 right out of the gate. Hey, it might be fearful, but the similarity between faith and fear is that they both believe in a future that hasn't happened yet. Keep that in mind. And when we begin to write this equation down, we can go back to our schooling days and think, okay how did I do this again? I know right now math is it's being taught differently than we than we learned it but It still, is it's so weird but that's another topic for another day but we start writing this this equation down and we can probably at least get pretty close to figuring out how to get the answer that is accurate based on how we just begin to work it out And so think about, think about journaling the same way. A lot of us have a lot of things going on in here. Remember, we have up to 60,000 thoughts.
0: Yeah. A day.
2: So a lot of us have a lot of things going on in here. And we, we're always just trying to figure it out on our own, figuring out, you know what, I'm just going to think about things. I'm going to figure it out. But it's it's like, it's like trying to do that math equation in our head. Most of us can't do that kind of math on our head. In some us. Right. Struggle doing that kind of math on paper. But guess what? It's easier when it's on paper, because we start getting clarity and direction because we start having a new perspective on on things. So I want to, so that's one side of journaling that I want to share to specifically answer your question. How am I sharpening my ax? There are, I believe, five areas in our lives that we need to work on leveling up on a regular basis, which for me is spiritually, physically, emotionally, academically, and financially. I personally believe that if we can level up those five areas of our life, we are living a pretty well-balanced life mm-hmm. surrounded by incredible relationships as well. So spiritually, uh, you know, whatever you believe, most of us have a higher a higher calling, a higher power. For me, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. So I know from a Christianity standpoint, I'm always going to try to be uh, improving my relationship with God. And so, am I, you know, I can go to church once a week and, but what am I doing in between church Mm -hmm. service? You know, Mm -hmm. am I spending time with God? Am I having devotionals? Am I, am I regularly, uh, praying? Am I, am I, I, am I reading the Bible? Am I staying in the word? There are things spiritually that I can always work on. Do I have accountability partners? I'm a part of a small group that I meet with uh, a group of guys uh, every other week. So I'm, I'm trying to surround myself with people, uh, who are also trying to level up spiritually. Hmm. So physically- I love
0: that. I, I I wanna I wanna highlight that, Josh, because I think that that is so important. And um, you know, you you may play on that more, but that community piece and being around, surrounding yourself with people who are interested in the same things, who are really at a level that you truly want to go to, not yes. at the not at the level that you know, you're you're at right now or or that you were at, you know, and that that is such a, a key thing when we really want to start expanding ourselves is, you know, maybe the people that we're around or we're hanging out with aren't exactly where we want to go.
2: Sure. That what what's the, the phrase if if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room.
0: Yeah. And you know, there's exactly. a reason
2: that my coaching and training is called limitless leadership because I know that I'm never going to, quote unquote, show up. I'm always going to have room to go and room to grow. And so I want to surround myself with people who can help me go there. I, I'm, I just believe that multiple minds are better than one. And I, I know that I have a lot of things I need to figure out. And so I need counseling, coaching, other people who can pour into me, speak truth into me. And uh, and, and it helps when you can surround yourself with some, some people like that. I think that um, another saying is that you're, you're, uh, you're typically the, what, the average of the five people that you surround yourself with the most, something along those lines, which I tend to agree with. I, I feel like there's been some seasons in my life where, uh, maybe I wasn't hanging out with the right crowd. Maybe part, sometimes I was the wrong crowd, you know, like, but as I'm sharpening my ax, I'm trying to level up. I'm trying to not, not become dull, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and really try to improve on a daily basis and really again it's about progress progress truly is the name of the game
0: yeah absolutely and i love that you're also really inviting that this is something that you should do consistently and you know we we're talking on a spiritual level here and yes we we can do this once a week where we where, where we gather mm-hmm. under one one house so to speak right and what else are we doing in order to sharpen that ax within that me, bucket?
2: Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, to me, I, I, kind of equate it to, um, we have a phone, right? You have a phone and you charge one day you charge it, you charge it on Sunday. Are you going to go the rest of the week without charging your phone? Mm,
0: that's a great, great way to put it. I like that.
2: Probably not. Right. So, so if we go to church and get charged, you know, and, and, and we are, we are living that spiritual day, if you will, the rest of the days don't fall to the wayside. They shouldn't. And yeah. so what are we doing to remain in him? What are we doing to yeah. continue to, to work on that spiritual side of things?
0: Well, yeah. and I think there's so many different things that people can do, you know, to feel connected with, with source God, all mm-hmm. of that, um, even a meditation or yoga or writing or reading and going back to the the five people that we surround ourselves on. I just wanted to highlight this again, too, because sometimes you could think of that as being five physical people. But I do feel that those some of those five people can be authors. They -hmm. can be a podcast host. Mm -hmm. They can be the written word of whatever, you know, so it's whoever we choose or idolize, so to speak, if, if we choose to use that word, but those can be the top five influences. And, and what that means is just, that's how much time and energy you're putting into them to be an influence for you.
2: A hundred percent. And I feel like you're speaking also able to the concept of you do have so many influences in your life not just physical people that you know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've named a handful of people that, that I've quoted on this show who I've never met in person, yeah. but influenced me in a type of way that's going to help me grow and develop as a husband, as a father, as a colleague, as a friend. And, um, and so I, I, like, I like that take. I like that, that you can um, you know, view it as, hey, what books are you reading? What podcast are you listening to? Um, What are we truly consuming? Not just physically, but what are we consuming? What are we watching? What are we listening to? Because this all is a part in the axe sharpening.
0: I feel sometimes seasons in life bring us to a point to where we don't have access to actual people that can be influences. And, you know, who knows what that looks like for different people, whether, you know, for me it was, I was working two jobs and I was a single mother. So my time consumption was... I didn't have a social life, mm-hmm. you know? And so what was I doing to be influenced by something other than my children? Yes. Well, it was yes. me listening to audiobooks or what have you. There's people in prison that, you know, want to make different choices and to improve themselves, but they're not going to be surrounded by really great things. Are they? In fact, they often say, when you go to prison, you become a better criminal because of just that, because you're surrounded by those like-minded people that got themselves in there to begin with. So you have to think outside of the box and really in order to be influenced by other things. So moving into, you have five buckets, which I'm excited about learning more. What's the second one?
2: So uh, the second one is physically. So I mentioned spiritually, physically is the second bucket to, to fill. And this is, you know, I, I just shared how what are we consuming? So from a physical standpoint, obviously a lot of us know here's, this is, this is the, the, the beauty of coaching. Mm -hmm. There are so many personal trainers out there. And the reality is most of us really know how to lose weight and eat healthy. That's typically, in fact, that, that is for, for years been the number one new year's resolution at the beginning of the year. I think 21.4% of new year's resolutioners it's always to lose weight and eat healthy. We know how to do this because all we have to do is burn more calories than we consume. But for whatever reason, we're, you know, and, and again, hey, preaching to the choir when I say this too, uh, for whatever reason, we, we, we always struggle with accountability and consistency. And there's a fantastic book, a lot of you may have heard it from James Clear, Atomic Habits. Uh, he talks about how the small habits uh, compound over time. Speaking of compound, another great book by Darren Hardy, the compound effect, I should be getting paid for these, endorsements. <laughs> but the compound effect talks about how we, we tend to try to make this massive 180 degree change overnight. And the reason that most of us fail at new year's resolutions is because of just that we're not choosing to take it slow. Oftentimes we, uh, we, we, overestimate how much we can achieve in a month, but we underestimate how much we can achieve in a year. Yeah. There's, there's actually a day in the year called Quitter's Day. The mm. second Friday in January is known as Quitter's Day because statistically speaking, over half of the people who created New Year's resolutions that year have already quit their New Year's resolutions that year. So they didn't even make it two weeks.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, and the books are incredible ones to, to tap into because it really helps give you a better picture in order to align in the right direction to not quit.
2: Yes. The, the, the compound effect I'll tell you outside of the Bible has been the most game changing book for me, uh, in my life. Uh, so that was a again, compound effect by Darren Hardy. I will recommend that book to anybody and everybody. It is a fantastic uh, book.
0: I love that. Sometimes I ask my guests, what book do you wish you would have written?
2: Hmm. I like it. Hey, I've got to say, because, and I'm, I'm breaking, I'm breaking early breaking news right now, but I'm currently writing a book that's going to be released at the end of the year. So maybe I can come back on the show with this book. Uh, but it's called leading a legacy. So I'm going to ask your audience to check it out in about, about two and a half months. That's a
0: incredible! I'm so excited. Thank you so much for, yeah, absolutely leading a legacy. That's a great title, by the way. Do you have a subtitle?
2: So I'll tell you, uh, and I think I even shared the subtitle uh, uh, early, early in this episode. But it's the idea of what are we doing today to make an impact on tomorrow. So I, I shared how the legacy that we're leading today determines the legacy that we're leaving tomorrow. And this is really where I say, Hey, there are these five buckets. There are these five areas that we can choose to level up. Are we truly maximizing the most of every single day today to make an impact on tomorrow? Because regardless, we're going to be leaving a a legacy no matter what. So what are we doing today?
0: Hmm. That's wonderful. And so, uh, and, and, I would love for you to share the rest of those to the the five buckets. And I also want to tap in a little bit to like how that truly leads us all into our personal leadership style, because we all essentially are leaders.
2: I'm going to share another quote with you. If you can't tell, I love quotes. When the pressure is on, we don't rise to the occasion, we fall to our highest level of preparation.
0: Yeah. And
2: so I like to say that we don't have to get ready if we stay ready. So if we are regularly preparing ourselves to level up in these five areas, we are effectively or more effectively leading ourself. the The trouble that I see or the challenge that I see with a lot of companies, especially small businesses, is we are expected to be formally leading other people but we can't we don't know how to effectively lead ourselves yeah. so it goes back to the mindset work and, yeah. and really changing a paradigm changing a narrative re- recognizing that we are the we are the authors of our legacy we're not the victims and so what are we doing to lead ourselves more effectively so that we are ready and prepared to lead others effectively now, I will say the, the the rest of the five, I mentioned spiritually, I mentioned physically, uh, emotionally, academically, and financially. And I want to touch on each of them, if you don't mind. Yes. Emotionally, you know, we talked about how uh, there are there is a gym on every corner of every intersection. And everyone is promoting and advocating for our physical health. And there's commercials for it. There's, I mean, again, personal trainers just – you know, if you want to if you want to get a job, learn how to lose weight, eat healthy, go train some people. That's a quick way to make some money. But what about our brain health? What about the the most important and most valuable asset that we own, which is our mind? So for, you know, for a long time, uh, brain health and mental health uh, was a bit of a taboo topic. And the good news, I believe, is that it's starting to become talked about more and more. And I so- agree. So if if, if and when we can uh, really work on our emotional health, again, emotional maturity is having feelings but not letting our feelings have us. There are specific steps and and, and calls to action that I provide my clients when they're struggling with emotional regulation, for example, and I'll share one with you, and that is when we get in a situation where we are struggling to manage our emotions, we can implement the three Ps, which is to pause, to process, and to pivot. So let's pause. Let's take a breath. Okay, we're going to take a breath. Now let's process what we are thinking, what we're feeling, because the thoughts dictate the feelings, right? So let's process what we're experiencing right now. This is truly when if we take a take a breath, we pause, we can now begin to have a different perspective. And again, the way we view things drives the way mm. that we do. things. And when we do things, we're able to pivot accordingly. We view things differently. Mm subsequently pivot accordingly and all, now all of a sudden we are we have been able to uh, bring our our emotions down the, the reality is when emotions are high logic is low mm-hmm. so we know this how can we make sure that we are making logical decisions because when we make uh, because we do make decisions based on emotion the good news is often we don't really act on those decisions cuz and here's and here's what i mean by this we get really we get really frustrated we get really angry, or let's say we get really excited. It's like I'm gonna do this. You know what? I'm gonna do this. We're really excited. Hey, now let's go do this. Or maybe I'm getting really frustrated. You know what? I, I'm just gonna go and whatever. Right? Fill in the blank. We, we we make these decisions. Oftentimes, those don't actually occur because our emotions are high, our logic is low. We're just we're just rambling. You know, we're we're, we're talking. But until we're actually convicted is when we begin to take action. We take Mm. action on conviction, but there are so many times in my own life, speaking from experience where I think something, I feel something, I act accordingly and I hurt somebody or I make a mistake or I do something that I shouldn't. And this is, you know, and this is why April, I'm so big on there's a reason I put my spiritual bucket first. Because over the course of my life, I have made decision after decision and action after action based on my plan, and every time God God says, uh, "Hey, um, that's that's not that's not what's going to happen," so I'm going to course correct, and <laughs> when I decided to just step back and say, "You know what? Hey, th- this is yours. This is yours." That's when things start falling into place. Mm. That heard.
0: is surrender right there, Josh. <laughs> and so one of my questions rolling in my mind was, What do you do when you don't have time to process? So you gave that three steps in a situation yeah. in order to kind of hone in on those emotions. Yeah. And sometimes things happen so quickly, or you're put into a situation where your thoughts and your feelings are in such a way but yet you you're in an environment where you have to show up i i'm i'm not i'm probably not being clear on this like for instance you're sitting at a dinner table with your enemy
2: yeah okay,
0: okay? let's just give that scenario okay. and so you've got all of these emotions brewing and you're steaming there's smoke coming out of your ears and you know you're just you got to be professional and yet the emotions are hot and it's difficult to stay clear. But I love what you just said because that's kind of like, okay, God put me in the situation and it's yours. Take the will. So I love that surrender piece because that really just, it lets you along on the ride. So sure. to speak.
2: The, you know. The- You just shared the the, the true definition of uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer, Uh, but, but I'm going to go hard for me, (laughs) but but I'm going to go back and say it because you know, the analogy I was actually thinking, because I know you have a law enforcement background and let's say you're in the military. Let's say you're law enforcement. Let's say you're a firefighter. Something happens there. There is a an emergency situation where we really don't have time to like physically
0: take breath
2: and then process. But again, We don't have to get ready if we stay ready because when the pressure is on, we don't rise to the occasion. We fall to our level of preparation. So I go back to always saying, hey, how are you preparing to sharpen your axe in these five areas?
0: Hmm. And, you know, I, I do love the power of Brett breath work and that is also something that you have to train yourself prepare yourself on on how to do that because yeah. when those situations arise it it is the best way to bring your body back into calm into focus and I, I use that scenario when I was in law enforcement and you come into a high stress situation, I mean gunpoint situation, life or death, and what do you do? And the timing is you you just don't have time. It's not on your side. And but being able, if you train yourself to know what your body should do in that breath work, it can happen quickly and effectively to bring you back to concentrate and get a bigger
2: picture. 100%. And something I do with a lot of my clients, cause I work with people who are on teams. And so my ideal client is someone who is formally leading people or at least working with people. And so all the things that we're talking about, we're talking about from an individual perspective, but it relates to a team as well. Mm. And the analogy that I like to use is, uh, Nick Saban. He's the head coach of the Alabama football, uh, team and what he what he shares is how they they don't typically you know because in college you have players who are graduating or going to the to the NFL for a team like Alabama you have players who are leaving early to go to play play with on the pros and so there is a revolving door of solid talent coming in and out of a a program like Alabama but they don't have to rebuild there they simply reload and Mm -hmm. what I mean by this is he is he's not just working and his staff is not just working with these stud athletes. They're working with the freshmen, the ones who are redshirting, the ones who are not playing a year or two, who are, you know, kind of in, in, in the background, not in the line. All lineup.
0: different levels.
2: hundred percent. And so what happens is you are grooming this person to eventually fill this role. And that's truly what leadership is. Yeah. It's about influencing John Maxwell of uh, an influence for me is he says, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Mm. And, we can influence by growth and development, our team members, when when someone leaves, that's okay. You don't have to start over. You are just reloading because you already have someone who is in that pipeline. There's Mm -hmm. another quote from Richard Branson that I love. And he says, train people well enough so they can leave, treat them well enough so that they don't want to. And Mm -hmm. I like the quote, but I always have to, to share at the end of that quote, like, hey, if you're really doing your job as a leader
0: they want to leave to go grow and expand and to share
2: guess what you played a role in helping them do that so celebrate their departure i mean when they leave this is not this should not be a bad thing this is a great thing because you help them grow and develop to go do something bigger and better and guess what you've done it before you can do it again you have been working with this person who's going to simply fill in their in their spot
0: yeah, I love that. Lead by example, and you know, once taught, twice learned. And yeah. leaders eat last, which is another really great book. Oh, yeah.
2: Simon Sinek, yeah, very good. Well, yeah. I want to I want to hang on one thing too that we just talked about because leadership is influence. Yes, I also believe though we can't influence people without connection, without connecting, or without connection, and we can't connect without communicating. But specifically, I want to, I want to go back to, there's, there's a whole topic on communication that we could discuss, but specifically, I want to kind of unpack this connection piece, because I really believe that connection before content is a phrase that, that you will hear me say often if we hang out enough times. And that is, um, you know, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. So Mm -hmm. how are you connecting with this person before giving them the content, telling them, sharing with them, coaching them how to do their job? How are you connecting with them? I believe there are three ways that we can connect is through authenticity, humility, and vulnerability. So if we can truly be authentic, humble, and vulnerable, that's how we're going to connect. Leaders struggle with feeling like they always have to have the right answer. And guess what? We don't know what we don't know. And it's okay to not know everything. It's okay to to, to bring in somebody on your team who knows more than you. That's the whole idea of leadership to begin with. You wanna surround yourself with people who are more qualified, more talented, more capable, more competent, more confident than you are, because they can do the job better than you. So you're not bringing someone in to, uh, to, I'll say this, you're bringing someone in to be the athlete, to do the job. You are the coach and you're coaching and influencing and developing the athletes. And so this is really where I see the biggest challenge with the, the clients that I'm, that I work with is, a lot of them struggle with staying in this athlete role when they have teams of people working under their umbrella, if you will. And and I say, Hey, you're doing too much. You've got to step back and and serve your team. You're not serving uh, like you don't need to be in the weeds because you have a team who you hired to do that.
0: Yeah. And you know, it, it really goes to say where, when we, give people when we delegate it out, delegate it out, excuse me, so to speak, you know, that's, that's something in a leadership role that, that is not easy to do. But when we do that, it gives those people the power to learn and grow all on their own.
2: This is what I've learned about delegation. When we don't delegate, when we don't delegate effectively, we are truly robbing ourselves and our team of growth and development. Because what happens is we have this goal or this uh, this idea, this vision. This this is the results we're going to achieve. So we discuss, hey April, this is the result we're going to achieve. You and I are in alignment with this with this goal. We believe that we can make it here. And and a mistake that I will make as a leader is say, okay April, now this is your baby. You're gonna care for this baby. So it's your job to. Uh, to determine the steps that you need to take in order to get here. Here's the mistake that I make, though. I start watching the steps you take and I start saying, uh, I wouldn't do it like that. Uh, no, that's a, that's a bad idea. No, I think you should do it like this. All I'm doing is micromanaging.
0: Yeah. And so, w-
2: you know, we think about when we when we set goals for ourselves, we should always begin with the end in mind, which is one of the seven habits of highly effective people. We look at the end in mind and we say, this is the goal I'm going to achieve. If it's for us, this is our task, our responsibility. My focus goes from the end in mind onto the steps that I need to take to get here. And when we delegate, it's the complete opposite. We need to stay here and let that person champion these steps to get here. And it's this can work effectively when we meet with this person, uh, on a regular basis to determine, Hey, April, walk me through the steps that you've taken thus far. What have you learned in the process? What uh, what questions do you have for me at the moment? What what strengths have you identified? What opportunity areas have you learned that you're not gonna do anymore? Notice that all of my questions warrant some kind of dialogue. I'm not looking for a yes or no response. I'm not that saying ended. 100% because I'm not saying, hey, bro, you okay? Hey, you doing all right? You doing yeah. good? Can I help you? Because even when you might not, you might you might just say, oh yeah, I'm fine. And you might not be fine. But when I start asking questions, hey, I'm here, I'm available. Um, you know, you can ask me questions. I can, I can provide some clarity and direction, but ultimately this is your baby, you know? So, yeah,
0: well, and Josh, you're really talking that communication is key and in learning how to communicate effectively, that really also hones in on emotional intelligence, which is oftentimes more important. If not, it is more important than, you know, other aspects of intelligence. So, because you, you have to have that.
2: When there's a breakdown in communication, a void is created, and oftentimes negativity fills that void. Mm. And so we have to make sure that communication is at the forefront of, of our minds. Because here's the and here's the thing: you and I are ha- currently having a conversation. Truthfully, there are three conversations happening right now. It's the one that I'm having, the one that you're having, and the one that we're having. So if we can both assume positive intent if we can both seek first to understand, then to be understood, if we can both be better listeners than hearers, because when we hear someone, we're waiting for them to stop talking so we can tell them what we want to say. When we're listening, we're receiving information, we're processing information, we're storing that information, and we're utilizing it to best serve that person. If we can begin implementing these key aspects, plus a few others, communication can truly save a team. And what I've learned over the years is that one person can't make a team, but one person can certainly break a team. And all it takes mm-hmm. is one person who refuses to communicate effectively. And all of a sudden, negativity and toxicity begins to seep in and creep in. And we want to avoid that at all costs.
0: Oh, absolutely. It does take a little bit to bring that back.
2: Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Yeah.
0: Well, Josh, it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. And, and I'm so excited. Thank you so much for sharing that you are in the process of creating your book. And so if you want to highlight that again, tell us what you do now and where you're planning to go. What are the dreams and goals? What's next for you? Oh, D- uh,
2: dreams and goals are going to be huge, April. I don't, I don't know if. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, so dreams and goals are going to be huge. I'll tell you what I'm doing right now is. Uh, the bulk of my business is coaching. And so um, I do have literally two spots left uh, or two spots currently open uh, for uh, to take on coaching clients. What I'm truly looking for right now is more training opportunities and more mm-hmm. training and speaking opportunities. So, um, you know, whether it's a keynote, whether it's training for your team, uh, you know, studies show that uh, it it costs employers six to nine months of a team member's salary to replace them. And so if I can help you with employer retention culture creation and cultivation, uh, uh, employee engagement, um, effective communication, effective delegation. These are all things that I coach and train. And if you or your team needs some type of leadership development training, I'd ask that you visit thebeardedleader.com, click on connect with me, and we can uh, have a free connection call. Happy to just meet you, connect with you uh, at no charge, um, no expectations. But at the very least, I want to uh, bounce some ideas off each other and see how I might be able to pu- to provide some some help. Now, I will say a couple projects I'm working on. I mentioned the book that's coming out later this year. I don't think I'm allowed to talk about any more about the book, but just know it's coming in a few months. I'm going to have updates. If you would follow me at the Bearded Leader on Instagram, you can find me on Facebook as well as LinkedIn. But the Bearded Leader, and then uh, one one um, a couple things a few things actually. So I do have a leadership podcast called the Josh Parnell leadership podcast. It yeah. airs Wednesday. Um, and then every, and, and also every Wednesday, uh, weekly, there's a weekly newsletter. And so if you go to, uh, the um, you can subscribe to my newsletter there. Um, but the, the big thing that I'm excited to announce is, uh, in, in October. So we have a, a, a little over a month left, but in October, I'm releasing a video subscription. And this is a, uh, what I'm calling a five for five. And so you receive five video lessons, whether it be uh, how to effectively delegate, um, how to uh, communicate. It might be the difference between situational leadership versus servant leadership versus positional leadership, Uh, how to journal. Um, It's, you know, a lot of it is leadership based, but there's also some mindset work. There's some life coaching in there as well. And so every, uh, every month uh, it's called five for five because you're getting five videos for only $5 a month. And so every month you're getting uh, new videos. I will tell you that the next month, the second month, you keep the five from the month before. So you're accumulating videos and it's only $5 a month. Those also come with corresponding PDFs that you can print for you and your team. And I can assure you, you're gonna get find a lot of value in, in, these, uh, in these videos.
0: I would absolutely 100% agree. I mean, you are just a wealth of knowledge because you remember all the quotes. I know you're a quote guy because you can obtain them and remember them so brilliantly. I can't even say that for myself, but I just love how you show up, Josh. You have just, again, you're so insightful. You have a plethora of information. And again, everyone, that's www.thebeardedleader.com. And you can also find that in the description below if you happen to be listening in. And so- be sure to check them out, Josh. It's been awesome to have you on the show. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today?
2: Hey, uh, yeah, April. I, I don't think there is. I feel like I, I just kind of just dropped a bunch of, a bunch of information. Hopefully, it wasn't information overload. Um, I just want to thank you. Uh, what an honor and privilege to be on the show. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity. And um, yeah, I'd love to do it again in the future.
0: You will. Thank you so much. And it's truly a pleasure. And for those of you tuning in, thank you so much for tuning in. And for those of you watching, thank you so much for being a support. And we will see you later. Goodbye for now.